This is episode 64 of African in American with your girl, Six the Goddess. And keep in mind, I'm a goddess and I'm sensitive about my shift. Peace and love, family. I hope you're doing well. I am doing well. The family and I are staying safe and out the way and minding our own business. Um, You know, through the pandemic, uh, me personally... I am receiving great joy and grabbing my popcorn as I sit and watch white people lose their privilege and rights right in front of my eyes. Um, Nothing brings my heart more joy to see. Um, So I'm actually having a really good time right now. I'm actually watching the news because I'm enjoying seeing D white boys down at all the downtown Capitol buildings toting their AK-47s ready to air this bitch out if they don't get a paycheck or open their cities back up. Oh my gosh, it's like fresh coffee in the morning, nothing like it. Woo, the fragility child. Woo, the ghetto. Oh my goodness, I am just clutching my pearls. Um, I'm here in Georgia. Georgia is uh, a red state. Georgia is a very cracker-based state, okay? The crackers here are different, okay? These are original OG, original KKK descendant, dirty South Georgia cotton fields crackers, okay? These are the direct descendants of some of the most prominent slave owners in history, okay? So these crackers are not like crackers in other places, all right? Um, The governor himself, I mean, if you were to look up down, down home country southern cracker, Kemp is that. I mean, accent, accent and all, okay? So this this is the red state. The governor got on <laughs> got on TV and was like, listen, okay, we're opening up, okay? We're opening the state on Monday because I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, these white boys were told they were getting money, okay? They were told that, all right, we're shutting everything down, but don't worry. You can file for these loans and that loans so they don't apply for these loans they don't apply for their unemployment, they're not getting any money, okay? Because during pandemics like this, you end up with the most teeth up the money and the most money laundering, money disappears, goes missing. Whenever you have any kind of state of emergency pandemic, it's so easy to kind of, for people to to finesse the check right now. So now these white boys know that their right is to work, their right is to provide for their families, Okay, they understand that they are the less superior being on this planet. Okay, so they already hanging on by a thread. They're dying out. All they have is their privilege and their two hands to work and make money to provide for their families. If you take that away from them, they crumble. Okay, if you take that away from them, they're ready to die about it. Have y'all ever watched the show, um, I Shouldn't Be Alive? It's like six seasons of the show. And it's basically about people that go on trips uh, in the middle of nowhere and end up, uh, you know, getting hurt or lost at sea 
and for days at a time where they barely survive before they get rescued. And in all six seasons of the show, there's no black people on the show. And um, the whole, every single episode is white people. And I, I found that very interesting. Like, okay, so why don't black men... Why, why are there no black men on the show? Almost every episode is white boys. And I realize what it is, is because of their fragility, they have certain things they do to like prove their manhood. So what they do is they go on these trips and drop themselves in the middle of nowhere and see can they survive to get out. They do this. I swear. I know my wonderful melanated listeners listening to this are like, who drops themselves in the middle of Montana in a dead middle of winter in zero negative 15 degree weather with bears going why would anyone drop themselves in the middle of that to see if they could survive well see you won't understand that because you as a melanated black individual you are already supreme and superior. So you don't need to put yourself in the middle of a freezing bear-ridden forest to see if you could survive and measure yourself as a man. However, put yourself in the white boy's shoes. They have to do that because they already know they're the weaker species. They already know they're dying out. So yes, they need to go wrestle bears to feel like a man, okay? So when things like this happen with this pandemic, these white boys have been preparing for this their whole life, okay? They, their fathers and grandfathers have been taking them on survival trips since they was five years old, all right? They have lived for this. This is their moment. The minute they started locking everything down, you should have seen all the white boys at Outdoor World and and uh, Dick's Sporting Goods buying up all the ammunition, all the guns. They were like, it's time. We've been training our whole lives for this. So let me tell you something, baby. Them, them white boys showed up with the AK-47 with the chopper. Pew, pew, pew. It's a chopper. Okay. They pulled up with the choppers and was like, listen, we're going to go ahead and let y'all know what, what it's going to be. You're going to either pay us for the money we're losing and then the government was like, eh, we can't really promise to pay all these people. What's the other alternative? And then they was like, the other alternative is to reopen the state so we can resume business. And they was like, mm. and then they was like, okay, so what's the other option? And they was like, we air this bitch out. We kill everybody. Okay. We start, we, the mass shooting rate is going to increase. Okay, we're we going to light up the next Walmart one by one until y'all either pay us or let us open for business. Okay, and do you know that the governor got his ass on TV so quick and was like, yeah, um, y'all can go ahead and open on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all can. Um, and so, you know, people reactions on social media is like, oh, my God, Georgia is one of the only states doing this so soon. Why would they do that? And I'm like, do y'all know, understand what Georgia is? Do you understand the type? See, y'all know. <laughs> OK, see, I, I see y'all. Y'all think it's a game. OK, when we speak on these people and their tendencies, their genetics, these are descendants of the KKK. Okay. I want to make that very clear. This is not me being funny. Okay. 
more, more a majority of the white boys here you can better believe they either have parents that are still in the KKK or they had a grandfather, great You have to understand that. That is a real thing. We are in the state of the cotton fields. Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and the state of Mississippi, all, all those states, okay, it's a whole, it's not what you're thinking. Okay, these are not like the same crackers in New York. These are not like the same crackers in California. These are different types. It's a different uh, genetic level of violence and hatred that they have okay so that's why they were able to get things moved so quick so you know I'm just sitting back watching this happening and I'm just clutching my pearls like who the ghetto child you know but that's what happens when you live in a red state this is a very red very republican state okay so here in Georgia they getting ready to open us back up. Um, now here in Atlanta, Keisha Bottoms, the mayor, her response was kind of like, yeah, um, I hear you and all, but uh, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not with that. I'm not just going to gladly open things back up. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, that's the update for us here in Atlanta. Again, I'm sitting back. I'm not living in fear. I've been living my life pretty much as I normally did. My nice life where I always wash my hands and disinfect. Okay, so I'm keeping my immune system strong, doing my juicing, my greens, my vegetables, my fruits. You know, I'm, I'm maintaining my power of attraction. That when I say, you know, I rebuke this virus, I rebuke it. This virus will not touch me or my family. And I know I'm exercising my power that that is what it will be. So that's what I'm doing over here, family. I hope you all are doing the same. Um, and just just grab y'all popcorn and just continue to watch because <laughs> I honestly thought it would be more time before they were going to start acting up. But honey, they don't started acting up early. I mean, they didn't waste any time. honey um anyway so on to more important matters so guess what my book the black women's ultimate guide to reclaiming femininity is officially live ready to go published copyrighted signed sealed delivered secure and available for purchase at sixthegoddess.com. Um, the support that I have received so far has literally blown my mind. Like yesterday, I was just literally in tears because I could not believe um, the, the support. I mean, I was just like, oh my God, like, man, I just... I, I'm just totally beside myself. Like I logged into my Shopify and almost like passed out when I saw how many orders came in. I was like, I was like rubbing my eyes like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> I'm like, am I seeing this right? And it just brought, it just made me so emotional because it's my first writing. Um, it was very difficult to write. Um, it was... <laughs> 
it was to pages in that book that I was writing that I literally just had to stop and I was just breaking down. Like writing that book was so freeing and so healing for me. Uh, like putting, um, putting a big portion of my story on paper, on black and white, uh, man, it's like a weight was lifted off of me and, and knowing that I was telling my story in order to let other sisters know that they're not alone because as, as black women, we are taught, you know, black men speak on, oh, being taught not to show emotion and, uh, being taught to, uh, oh, you, you know, you can't never let them see you sweat. You know, they speak about that, but, um, we when we don't speak about the fact that that same thing happens with black women and it's even worse because we're women a man should uh carry the burden of you know uh having to hide when he's afraid or be the strong one before a woman should so it really attacks our womanhood and our femininity as women. So, so many black women are hiding behind this guise of, oh, I'm doing just fine. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm good. When we're really not good. The, that these women saying that they're good, they, they're saying that on the outside. But you have no idea the pain and the tears that happen behind closed doors. Those fake positive facades, you know, are a defense mechanism because we don't feel safe being vulnerable. We don't feel safe saying that we're afraid because majority of the time when a black woman says she's afraid or, or upset or, you know, she's written off like you'll be OK, you know, or you're tripping, you'll be all right. So knowing that I was telling my story and allowing myself to open up and be vulnerable and kind of leading by example to let other sisters know it's not just you, especially me being a sister where, you know, despite what I've been through, I've definitely don't look like what I've been through and definitely have maintained myself well, you know, throughout my struggles in my life. So they could see sister, you don't got to look like what you've been through. You can go through things and you can still be feminine again. You, it's okay. We're not all doing just fine. And that's all right. And you're not alone. Okay. So knowing that telling my story was going to help heal another woman, because you will be surprised at the healing that happens just by knowing, okay, um, there's someone else. I'm not alone in this. There's someone else that has gone through this similar. Just knowing that is comforting and healing on its own. And then when I'm able to share changes in my mindset, my spirituality, etc., that I took in order to bring myself to this place of peace, self-love, where I've become uh, a better mother, a better woman, a better partner, um, I'm living proof and I'm able to say, listen, I'm not perfect. Okay. However, I'm going to show you what works for me. I'm going to show you as someone who has been there. Okay. From someone who lived parts of their life, not understanding their worth. And even if I was to understand my worth, sometimes as black women, we have issues enforcing our worth. Okay. To say, 
I am worthy of X, Y, and Z, and I will not settle for anything less than that. For we are, we're afraid to set standards for ourselves because of lack of self-love. Okay, so when we truly build those standards, when we truly love ourselves, we just attract better lifestyles. But in order to love yourself, how can you as a woman love yourself if you do not fall in love with your femininity? It is impossible to turn your nose up and say things like, what's the big deal about being feminine? Nobody care about femininity. That's no big deal. You ain't got to be feminine to be successful, be happy in life. How can you resent your femininity but love yourself when you're a woman? Your femininity is what makes you a woman. It is what makes you different from a man. So if you do not embrace and fall in love with your role and your position as a feminine woman, that means you cannot truly embrace you. You are your feminine. You are supposed to be feminine. God does not make any mistakes. If God designed the man to be masculine and the woman to be feminine, then that's what it is. This is not up for debate. How arrogant of humans to believe that that is debatable. You don't get to rewrite the divine order. Okay. Um, I tried to run away from being feminine at one point as well, because being feminine means, oh my God, now I actually have responsibilities and obligations and I have to actually be held accountable for my actions. So we run from it, not knowing, running from your femininity, running away from feminine guidelines and tradition is hurting yourself. Um, I, if you don't follow me on Instagram, go ahead and follow me at Six the Goddess um, because I'm about to start doing more. We've been doing a lot of live streams lately. And I'm really digging the live stream because it lets everyone that wants to get on a conversation, ask questions, you know, talk back and forth. I've really been enjoying it. It's really been helping us um, secure the tribe that I'm trying to secure, you know, for black people who are pro-black, traditional, um, involved in their culture, natural, uh, just blackity black traditional masculine feminine black people that is the tribe i i'm building so i feel like by doing the live streams it's really allowing me to interact you know with people in my following that are on the same page and we're having really great conversations so um you know so we were doing a live stream the other day and we were talking about how femininity is about taking the elevator instead of the stairs um basically um, we've spoken about this before about self-mutilation and people that cut themselves. And then you have people that emotionally self-mutilate and they sabotage things for themselves because they don't think that they are worthy of those things. So we were speaking about how a woman living in her masculine energy, she wants to live in her masculine energy because she has been so hurt by men, whether it be her father, brother, uncle, or men that she was intimate with. She has been so hurt by men. She wants to be a man so that she doesn't need one and then she makes everything harder for herself okay her of uh, her her fear of being emotionally 
vulnerable makes her physically vulnerable because she's out here in the world without any masculine obligation. Now, what is masculine obligation? Masculine obligation is what other men respect when it comes to a woman. Okay. Um, me as a woman single is different than me as a woman married. When a woman is married and men know this woman, not saying that you're an object or possession of a man. However, the way men think is, you know, here is this man and this is his wife. Men tend to not look at another woman as an individual. They will refer to her as, okay, that is so-and-so, so-and-so's wife. So now you've been put under his masculine protection and obligation. Basically what he, what that means is it means he's saying, if you mess with or hurt this woman, I am obligated to protect her. So I'm coming for you. When men know that there is another man that is going to come for them or hold them accountable for what they do to you, they move different. When a man knows a woman is married, he is way more prone to not mess with her because he knows if I do, there's somebody coming for me. Okay, so you afraid to be emotionally vulnerable and really open up and trust the opposite sex, not knowing you make yourself more vulnerable because now you're misindependent thinking that you can hold down your whole kingdom on your own when really you wide open and you don't even know that. And you think that because you're bossy and independent that that's somehow going to be a protection for you or somehow send messages to someone not to mess with you. And that's not the way it works because somebody looking to hurt you or harm you is not scared at how much of a boss B you are. Now, when you have masculine protection involved, that's a whole different story. So this is how we self-sabotage. OK, there's a your femininity is an elevator. You going up, we going to the top. So you go into the hundredth floor. The smart person is going to get in the elevator. OK, then you have the, the feminine woman. She walks in her five inch pumps with her painted nails, lips glossed to the elevator, and she gets carried up to this hundredth floor. But the masculine woman, she want to take the steps. I don't need, I don't need nobody. I don't need, I don't need nothing. Okay. Um, she's, she's looking, since she's in her masculine, now she begins looking for masculine validation. Now, what does that mean? Men validate each other based upon what they have, what their resources are they have available, um, what their net worth is uh, through their titles and positions, uh, through their social status. This is how men validate themselves and other men. Nine times out of 10, a man that has something to show for his life, a man that is somebody, if it's another man that's a bum, he doesn't respect him. He doesn't even take him seriously. Okay, because he's like, oh, you ain't getting no money. You ain't making no moves. Psh, next. Okay, so that's why the man with the money always get called big bruh and big dog. That's how men kind of acknowledge their different economic positions in the world. Women are not measured that way. 
A woman is measured by the peace she brings, her nurturing, her, her, her supportive nature. Okay, how loving she is, her smile, her personality. So what happens is when women are living in their masculine energy, they get consumed with money hunger, materialism, and working. Because there is no validation for their femininity. Any man that they've ever dealt with has hurt them or left them, um, left them with children, never called them back again, abused them physically, mentally. Okay, so now they've given up. No man is going to just love me, adore me, marry me, take care of me, uh, protect me and stay. So I give up with that. I'm, I'm not getting validated that way. So let me just go ahead and turn to I need to be validated by you knowing that I'm the CEO. Okay. So now you move into the masculine energy. Now you're on a constant search for validation, whether it be in your business, whether it be in at your job. Now you now you definitely are going to uh, I know by now we all know the common stigma of women that are successful and are having issues getting married are having issues keeping a man around. Well, it's because. How can a masculine man be attracted to masculine? Okay, how can that happen? As women, instead of reverting our validation, instead of giving up on your femininity and saying, it's just not working out for me, it's not happening, and just abandoning your children, abandoning your womanhood to get validation in corporate America, that's a band-aid on the issue. In the book, I open up about my mother's last days of life, how my mother was that woman. Well, she, my mother was feminine in her younger days, but having me out of wedlock attacked her womb and really put her in her masculine energy. So before me, I would say she definitely... Um, you know, when I hear the stories and when I observe photos, I can tell uh, that she was very feminine prior to me, um, you know, but having a child with a man that, um, you know, doesn't want to be with you and uh, and protect you and adore you for having his child really is the I, I would say is the number one way women get pushed into their masculine energy. And then she really is scared to be feminine ever again because there's nothing more feminine than giving a man a child. So when that goes left for a woman, um, majority of the time, it will push her into her masculine energy. So uh, in the book, I speak about her last days and really looking at her, you know, on her deathbed by herself. Okay. Um, I was not there when she passed away. Okay. I was getting my son. My son was four months old. I was trying to get his diaper chain, get ready to get up to the hospice because the nurses had called me and they were like, you know, she's, she's declining. Um, you might want to get here as quick as you can. Okay. So I got a four month old. I'm breastfeeding at the time. I'm like, okay, I got to feed him before we go because I know once we get in the car, he, if I, if it's time for me to feed him now, I can't 
put him in a car, have him screaming the whole way. I got to feed him before we go. Now I got to, I'm going to be there for a while. So I got to get his outfits together. So I'm trying to get my, I'm, I'm grown by now. I'm, well, I'm not, I shouldn't say I'm grown, but I'm legally grown. I'm 19 years old. So I'm trying to get my own thing together. I'm trying, I got to get my brother ready so we can get up there to be with my mom. We did not make it. She died alone. Okay. During her final days, me sitting there looking at her by herself, nobody is around. The only person there with her is me. Okay. Um, it was such, it was at that moment that I knew, okay, I don't want this to be me. Now at the time I was young, so I didn't. I didn't fully understand how this happened. I didn't have the knowledge I have now, but I did remember that feeling of looking at her in her final days by herself. And it later on in my life, I connected it that that is where it all matters. This is where uh, you are, you are going to be made or you are going to be broken during your final days. That is when every decision you ever make comes full circle. And all of the masculine behavior, all of the I'm independent, I can do it on my own. Where I mean, it doesn't end with a trophy. Okay, proving that we can do it on our own, proving that we don't need anybody. That may work in your 20s or 30s, sometimes maybe even your 40s. But is that going to work in your 50s? Is it going to work in your 60s? I do understand the psychology behind black people and the sometimes lack of long-term thinking. And Dr. Frances Crest Welsing taught us about this. And she said it's because subconsciously black people do not really believe they will still be alive. So I think some sisters... They're not thinking about what are you going to do when, during your final days? Who is going to take care of you? Who is going to be by your side? What is going to be on your tombstone when you pass? When, you, when someone dies, their tombstone is going to mention whether they were a parent, a spouse, or someone's child. It doesn't mention their job title. The tombstone does not mention how much money they made, does not mention their social status. What's going to matter is your family and the legacy you leave. What's going to matter is what your children say about you when you're gone. What your grandchildren will say about you when you're gone. Okay, because if if tombstones were... Uh, a true reflection. If we wanted to write the truth on a tombstone, too many of us, our tombstone would say, baby mama, long-term girlfriend, late night creep, jump off, serial dater. That's what it would say. Would that make you proud? Would that be something you would want your grandchildren to, uh, to see? Um, it is true that men have legacies, but understand, sisters, we do have feminine legacies as well. Yes, we do take on the man's name to carry on his legacy, but you will also have your own story, sisters. Living in your masculine energy 
does not lead to a happy ending to that story. So, you know, this is why we cannot say, well, what's the big deal? Okay, you know, it's not a big deal until you're on your deathbed. It's not a big deal until uh, it's your final days and you are coming full circle with every decision you ever made. The fact that you were never able to build that family and that legacy with a healthy masculine man that wants to commit to you because you are a masculine man. Because any any masculine man with any kind of self-value or worth ran in the opposite direction after having one to two conversations with you and could tell uh, that you were in the masculine energy and there was not a feminine bone in your body to attract him. So you only attracted dusty men and abusive men and weak men and feminine men. Um, in the book, we speak about how some women have an issue being feminine or have an issue being submissive because since she's operating in her operating in her masculine energy, she has an ego issue. Now, she doesn't know how to submit to a man because men don't submit to other man to another man. So if she's in her masculine, she has an issue submitting to a masculine man, whereas a feminine woman, it doesn't take anything away from her by submitting to a man. OK, uh, we're in two different lanes. I don't care. OK, honey, you can take the lead. OK, you got it. I mean, <laughs> OK, and then what? I'm not any less of a woman. I'm not any less smart, strong, or any of that. <laughs> okay, the only reason a woman has an issue with it is, in her mind, uh, she's a man. She is equal to that man, so I'm not submitting to him. Yeah, right. Only men have an issue submitting to other men. Um, so these are just some of the things, uh, you know, that we don't technically acknowledge or speak about, Um when we, because you have to, in order to read this book and enjoy this book, you have to first understand why it's important. You have to understand why femininity is important, which is why we're having this discussion now. Um, you know, because again, what we've done is uh, we've stopped taking pride in building as women and as wives and as mothers. And, you know, we have just decided to take our validation elsewhere instead of really doing the healing work that we need to do. Um, and, and this is not to say, oh, my God, you know, you know, you're the worst person in the world because you don't want to be feminine or we hate women that don't want to be feminine. Uh, we have been seriously conditioned sisters. OK, um, you know, nobody is looking down on you. Every woman has to enter her journey to reclaim her femininity. Every black woman, let me be more specific, uh, because other women are, are naturally supported and given space to be feminine. Um, other races of women are automatically assumed to be feminine. Um, when we hear Asian woman, we hear very catering, submissive, quiet, sweet. When we hear white girl, we hear supportive, uh, do whatever you say, listen to you. Uh, when we hear Latina woman, we hear, oh, she's passionate and loving and spicy and she's fiery, spicy about her man and her love. And then when we hear black woman, our, the, our first minds go to, headache, attitude, black, ugly, 
Okay. We want to change that narrative uh, because we control our own narrative. So this is why black femininity is different because I hope, because I am ready. It's been a few days since I've um, delivered a, a good old filthy educated read, but it hasn't happened yet. But uh, if and when it does, I'm ready for someone to say, why it got to be black femininity? Why it can't just be femininity for all women? Other women do not have to fight for their right to be feminine. Um, they don't have to change a narrative about their femininity. Um, they can change their own narrative when they're not feminine. Okay, because they're automatically assumed to be feminine. So if they're not feminine, then people will look at her and say, oh, she's not like most white girls or, or you know, or she's not like most Asian girls because they are assuming you to be feminine as well. Whereas a black woman, they're assuming for you to be masculine and abrasive. So then when you're feminine, they're saying, oh, you're not like the other black girls, but it, it's different. It's meaning, OK, so you're feminine and the rest are masculine. So. Uh, black women are encouraged and conditioned to be in their masculine energy to cause riffraff in between her and black men because a feminine black woman and a masculine black man are a balanced, um, unstoppable force that threatens white supremacy. White supremacy is the system that keeps white people alive and keeps their heads above water. So it is highly discouraged to create feminine black woman. And don't you dare add a pro-black feminine black woman who says, I will only give my femininity, my love, my nurturing to a black man. Oh, now they want your head on a stake. So when we are feminine, it is different. And everybody needs to respect that. Okay. Black feminine women, you get a sticker. Okay, and you get a sticker because you didn't have to be this way. You've been programmed to be everything but feminine. So, yes, you get a sticker when you are able to be revolutionary because revolutionary simply means going against what you have been conditioned to be. So if we've been conditioned to be angry, bitter, masculine, single black women. When we go, when we change our own narrative and we're feminine and we're beautiful and we're smart we have families, we're married, we're protected, we're secure. That's revolutionary. That's the real revolution. The real revolution is not protesting, picketing signs and doing all that. It's literally being a feminine woman, uh, believing in black love, practicing black love, building black families. Okay, that's the real revolution. Um, so I do commend sisters that decide to take on the challenge of reclaiming their femininity because you're going to be going against everything you've ever been taught to be. You'll probably do it with no support. Um, other black women around you will probably think that you're crazy. They will probably try to discourage you and say, that shit ain't gonna work. That shit ain't real. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, but you're doing this for you. You are feminine for you. Get out of your masculine energy. Get out of your egotistical energy. And you're feminine 
for yourself. I don't care if my man thinks, oh, okay, you know, she was submissive to me, you know, uh, I win. Um, no, that's not the way we want to look at it. Okay, we're feminine with our man for us. It makes my life easier. Okay, it makes my life easier to be the submissive one. It makes, uh, I also speak in a book about how, uh, as men and women, we have different strengths. Men possess the stronger physical strength and women possess the stronger mental strength. So just like men have to maneuver their physical strength around us and be careful and delicate with us. Okay. A man can't just handle us any kind of way. He's stronger. So he has to be aware of that. Like, hey, let me be careful. Even if I might think I'm doing just a little, a little nudge that might send her to the ground that might make her fall so men when they're around us they have to monitor and be careful of their physical strength for us everything is reciprocity so that means that there is definitely something that we have to mind for the men so since we are the mentally stronger sex that means we move around the men. And this is not to say that men do not have to compromise ever or um, or be lenient or understanding. Please do not take anything I say to the extreme. Please do not hear what I'm saying and say, so we're just supposed to move ourselves around a man. The men never got to move themselves around us. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we possess a different type of emotional intelligence, a different type of mental strength. Most masculine men understand this, have no problem admitting this. And this is why they're married to smart feminine black women, because he knows I need her mind. I need her on my team. Masculine black men with dope wives have no problem letting you know, thank my wife. Okay, all this is really because of her. He know I need her mind, her intuition. She possesses a level of mental capacity and intuition that I do. I need her perspective. I need her energy. I need her balance. Okay, so since we are, since we possess the different mental capacity, yes. Okay, as a woman, your mind, your words, you have the potential to kill a man with your tongue. The woman's tongue is her greatest weapon. Just like a man's bronze is his greatest weapon on a woman. This is why men get frustrated. Okay, when they're not able to mentally control certain women and they guess how men turn abusive. Because he gets physical with you because now he feels like that's the only way he can win against you because they try to fight trying to beat a woman mentally when that's just not how it goes. So it's okay for us as feminine women to, yes, maneuver when it comes to our mentality, when it comes to our words, maneuver around the man. You want a man that stands strong in who he is. Trust me. That's why your grandmothers tell you win the argument, lose the man. Okay, you won the argument, no big deal. Of course you did. Of course you did. Okay, women, we will sit and give a, a man five paragraphs. 
And he can only handle like one sentence in a five paragraph and like replies to that. His mind doesn't work the way your mind works. So women in their masculine energy will fight that and keep using the same tactics over and over. And what they'll do is they'll just continue to switch out the man. Okay, they'll they'll use the same masculine tactics thinking that they're going to strong arm a man into being with them. I'm not sure what the end goal is there. And then they'll say, oh, well, there's something wrong with him. And before you know it, you don't change niggas 50 times. Because the games that you play, that mouth, that tongue, no man with any kind of self-worth is going to sit around and let him. We forget women can abuse men too. When you're in your masculine energy, majority of the time, you're probably abusive to men. Demanding, rude. Okay, I'm I'm just literally I could I could do this all day and speaking on how our how not being in our feminine energy makes us look crazy. I've never seen a masculine woman have a success story. I've never seen a woman in her masculine energy equate to a happy ending in my life. It leads to you on a deathbed alone. And maybe your children will be there if they haven't started their own families and have their own lives by then. Okay? Maybe they'll be there if they ain't moved across the country and start their own family. Now you now you getting tired and, and they gotta catch a flight to get to you. So then maybe, you know, you'll have somebody by your side, maybe your children. Okay. Um Read the book. Okay. Um, Y'all know my style. I'm a straight shooter. The book is not long and drawn out. From the very first sentence in the book, we get right to it. We do not. I don't like them books that take me a month to read. And then after I read it, I'm like, so I just read 200 pages and only got 50 pages worth of information that I actually Y'all could have left the other 150 pages out. Okay, so the book is not like that. It is called The Black Women's Ultimate Guide to Reclaiming Femininity. That is what it's about. It gets straight to it. Um, it's a one-day read. Uh, it's something that you might want to read more than once. Um, so there's no excuse. I wasn't going to waste y'all time giving y'all nothing long and drawn out. I just wanted to make sure you felt me. The point got across. Just plant a seed. Give you a different type of perspective. I think a, re a huge reason why a lot of sisters do not uh, are not feminine is for two reasons. One, they've never even really heard the word feminine. They don't really even understand what that means. Um, they just write it off like, yeah, whatever. They think feminine means wearing a dress or or having on nail polish, they don't, they just don't know what it is. They've never seen a feminine woman, a feminine woman that looks like them maybe in their life. Um, and, um, and the second reason is because, um, they, I'm trying to think how I can put this the right way. Um, they, I'm not going to say they don't understand its importance, but just that, uh, they, they don't correlate to how our decisions that we make pushes us farther into our masculine energy. Uh, uh, you know, just 
understanding the accountability and the consequence behind not being feminine. So you don't know what being feminine is and you don't know the consequence of not being feminine. So I think a lot of women have issues in their lives and they don't even know that their masculine energy is the reason behind it. Okay, living in your masculine energy blocks your blessings. You cannot receive. Femininity comes with a lot of perks. Femininity is never on its own. Okay, feminine woman never has to be the, oh, don't worry, I'll figure it out myself. People gladly support a feminine woman. Okay, people are gladly drawn to her. All right, so when you're in your masculine energy, you can't get those feminine blessings. You just cannot. Okay, um, and this is when it comes to practicing our power. And what we are is what we attract. So um, buy the book for yourself. Buy the book for your daughter. Buy the book for your sister. Buy the book for your wife. Fellas, I don't want you to think, this book is for girls. No, men should also read the book. Okay, because we speak about reciprocity, right? So if we want the women to be feminine, we know the world does not support black women being feminine. We're going to need your support, brothers, in our feminine journeys. So you need to read the book so that you can better understand the women in your life, be it your mother, sister, girlfriend, wife, whoever, and so that you can be well-versed on how to give support through our journeys, okay? The book is available at 6thegoddess.com. That is S-I-X-T-H-E-G-O-D-D-I-S.com. Again, that is the Black Woman's Ultimate Guide to Reclaiming Femininity. Um, I want to thank you all for listening uh, to this week's episode. I will see you all next week. And as usual, peace, love, and Black power.